We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. No guests, no Jack, just a quick express recap of last night's matchup with OKC. The Nets fall 130-109. Obviously, no Kevin Durant, no Patty Mills, getting some much-needed rest, and also without the likes of Nick Claxton, LaMarcus Aldridge, Joe Harris, and Kyrie Irving. But before we jump into it, quick reminder, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. And before we get into the takeaways for this game, I think it's important we kind of look at some of the context of last night's game. This was the Nets' fourth game in five days, and it started Sunday against the Spurs in Brooklyn at 12 p.m., and then Monday night we saw them go to Portland, face the Blazers at 10 p.m., a night of rest Tuesday, and then in Chicago at 10 p.m. for another matchup, and then back in Brooklyn last night at 8.30 p.m. against OKC. So this is about 5,800 miles traveled in five days, and some really unique times as well. You know, obviously you got the early start on Sunday against the Spurs, and they're flying across the country to face the Blazers. You do get the day of rest after that. You're in Chicago for a 10 p.m. start, which is 9 p.m. local time, which already is unique. And then Thursday, you play at home, but an 8.30 p.m. start for the Nets. Again, something very unique. And we had the players note in post game that, you know, they weren't able to get in from their flight until 5.30 a.m. on Thursday. And James Harden mentioned not even getting to bed until 7.30 a.m. on Thursday. So we're looking at, you know, between 7.30 a.m. and 8.30 p.m., that's 13 hours. Who knows how much sleep these guys were able to get in that time period. But overall, you could see it on the floor. Guys just didn't have that extra level of energy and juice. And, I mean, it's really hard to blame them. You know, most people, when they go out on a Saturday or Friday night and they get in at 4 or 5 in the morning, that following day, they're probably doing absolutely nothing but watching Netflix. So credit the guys for going out there and still playing. And, you know, at different points in this game, it felt like there would be an opportunity for them to possibly make a run. And maybe if OKC doesn't have one of their best shooting games of the season, you know, we're talking 47 of 91 from the field, 51%, and then 20 of 45 from three. And... That included guys like Lou Dort going 6-10, to 10, you know, a career 30% shooter from three. So some of it was, you know, just overall bad luck in having a scheduled loss in OKC, you know, playing a good game. You know, credit them, you know, a guy like SGA, Shea Gill, just Alexander, really played well in this one. The Nets necessarily didn't have an answer to stop him on ball. You know, it felt like he went through all of the Nets defenders and was able to get in the rim, create that penetration, either get himself a shot at the rim or set up one of his teammates. And, you know... Most of the time when you play OKC, 
you can give away these threes and they're going to probably shoot 30, 32% or something along those lines. Tonight they didn't, and that really hurt the Nets. And then that, that combination of not having that extra energy and effort level defensively, you know, it made it really tough considering the offense was, you know, handicapped without the likes of, you know, Kevin Durant and Patty Mills. And this was a big task for James Harden to get a win with these offensive options and this lack of spacing. I mean, just looking at the three-point shooting in this game, we're talking 7 of 32, 21% from three, and also three of those threes coming from James Harden. So he's not having the opportunity to operate on the floor. That's four made threes made by the rest of the team, and three of them came from David Duke Jr., a guy who isn't necessarily getting gravity from the defense. He's not a guy that teams are scared to shoot. This is probably his best three-point shooting game in the NBA. So, you know, there there was a lot of hurdles for the Nets between travel, between rest, between OKC just having one of those nights. So it's it's hard to be upset with the Nets for this loss, especially after they gave us one of their they're easily their best performance in the season the night before against Chicago. So we'll take the loss here and I think not be too upset about and understanding some of the different hurdles and difficulties and having a game at this time in this time span and all those lines. But just looking at players from this game, I think there's still some takeaways, you know, looking at the rookies, we have Kessler Edwards, you know, I thought there were some great transition opportunities for him in this game. You know, he had a couple nice drives, including one where he took SGA one-on-one off the dribble, was able to turn that into a floater in a bucket. I think you're seeing some flashes of him maybe even being more than just a 3 and D player or just a very capable 3 and D role player that can do, you know, some more things. Not to say he's going to be this guy, but maybe something along the lines of a Joe Harris. You know, he's not going to create his own offense, but he can capitalize on advantages created by his teammates. So just, you know, small things to keep an eye on for Kessler Edwards. I think um, as well, you know, you love his help defense. There was a play in this game where he picked up Lou Dort on a drive and was able to send his shot to the first row. You know, just some of that athleticism, some of that pop is always great from him. Um, one thing for Kess, I think, Obviously, he's a rookie, so you know there's always going to be improvements. I think you'd like to see him improve his inside finishing. You know, his layup package could improve a little bit. He's been blocked multiple times or just missed some makeable shots, considering someone of his length and athleticism. And then you know the fouls. You know, um, you know, there's times in the game where he'll just kind of commit a foul that he just really doesn't need to commit. But overall, it's a rookie thing. And then three point consistency. You know, oh a three tonight. I think one and four in the previous game. Um, you want to see him improve in those areas, but again, a rookie, so there's going to be improvements needed, and there's been plenty of flashes, and I think he's doing a good job of establishing establishing himself as a real player in this rotation, somebody that Steve Nash is going to have to think twice about taking out just because he helps in so many areas, and he's not really much of a minus in any. You know, like I mentioned, he could improve as a finisher. He could improve from three, but he still does it better than a lot of guys in this team. And I think also you look at his ability to be an offensive factor. Like he's relocating for, at the three-point line. He's making timely cuts and trying to find openings and being an outlet for, you know, the offensive player with the ball. And sometimes that's hard to teach. And Kess already has some of those instincts. So not a great performance, but there still were enough flashes in here from Kessler Edwards that you feel really good about what he can even be this season. And then moving forward, there's a great chance for him to be a good, good player in this NBA. But moving over to David Duke Jr., you know, defensively, I didn't think this is one of his best games. You know, again, a lot of the Nets got cooked by SGA. He was one of them. I did appreciate the effort and energy that he had, you know, trying to pick him up at half court at different points. But, you know, the biggest thing for David Duke Jr. in this game was his three-point shooting. 
He went three of three from three. And the shot looked a little bit better. He looked a little more confident. There was a softer touch on it. You know, maybe he's been getting some extra work in with Kyle Korver or whatever it is. But that's a promising sign for him because I think at the end of the day, you know, it's great that he can rebound. It's great that he, you know, has a ton of energy and effort, can finish some transition buckets and, you know, looks like he could be a good defender. But at the end of the day, he needs to have, you know, a three-point shot if he wants to be a 3 and D player. So David Duke Jr., some promise in there. Obviously, I think he's going to take a little bit more time to develop than maybe a Kessler Edwards given his lack of offensive options and obviously a little undersized compared to Kess who has that 6'7 height, has a pretty good frame, some good length, and some nice athleticism. But moving over to Cam Thomas, uh, Cam in this game, you know, 21 points, 8 of 11 from the field, 8 of 18 from the field, 1 of 7 from 3, 4 of 6 on the free throw line, 3 rebounds, 1 steal. You know, Cam showcased a lot of his offensive game in this one, especially from inside the arc. You know, 7 of 11 on two-point field goals, 1 of 7 from 3. And you saw the pull-up, you saw the mid-range pull-up, you saw the layup package, you saw the floater, you saw him get to the free-throw line. This was kind of like, okay, you know, this was a showcase of Cam Thomas being a potential microwave score, six-man type, where he could just get hot because there was points where he was just getting to his spots in that third and fourth quarter, and you're like, that's going to be a bucket. This is just something he's really comfortable doing. I thought, you know, defensively, like a lot of the team wasn't great in this one. And, you know, maybe there could have been some better passes, but it was tough to really generate many assists because of the lack of offensive options at the perimeter and it just being such a condensed floor. It felt like whoever had the ball in the nets was, you know, getting the eyes of multiple OKC defenders and there wasn't really a ton of room in the paint. So credit Cam for finding ways to score and, you know, helping the nets try to make a run in this game. And going over to uh, Dayron Sharp, final rookie of the night, you know, 20 minutes in this one, four points, two of five from the field, six rebounds, one assist, one block. I think for Dayron, especially offensively, it was tough for him to be impactful because there was always more than one body in the paint. And it wasn't like there was opportunities for him to even catch some of these roll passes or get these offensive rebounds because OKC was really prepared. And I think defensively, you know, you saw, saw some of his issues or need of improvement in terms of like being a better rim protector and trying to help protect the pain and showing some of that versatility. So they run again, you know, not bad, but a learning experience for almost all the rookies tonight, given that a lot was put on their shoulders. They were asked to have a positive impact on the game and kind of generate winning without playing with the array of superstars, you know, without, you know, having, you know, at least two really good veterans on the floor, you know, even then those um, Raptors in uh, Sixers games, we had the likes of Patty Mills and Kevin Durant, and that's just going to make life easier. It was just James Harden essentially on his own offensively asked to create a lot and not really having any uh, help or aid in that area. And it was just like, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show 
by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, Harden was taking drives in this game to the paint, and he was seeing, you know, four defenders, three defenders, and forced to put a shot up. And early on, he was able to generate some points, but at the end of the day, it wasn't enough, especially for him, who, again, was tired like the rest of the squad. So 26 points for Harden, 7-22 from the field, 3 of 11 from three, nine and 9 from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 9 assists, 3 steals, 3 blocks, 3 turnovers. You know, not even really that bad of a game overall from James Harden. It was really just the shooting wasn't on. And like I said, a lot of that was just because he was seeing multiple bodies. But after that, you know, Bruce Brown had some good energy moments in this game, but him and Bembry obviously don't give you that three-point shot, so it's tough to play both those guys consistently, especially when you have other non-shooters on the floor like you know a Sharp, a Griffin. Uh, David Duke Jr., like I mentioned, did knock down three threes, but typically doesn't knock down a ton of shots. Uh, James Johnson, another guy. Cam Thomas was one of seven. Paul Millsap, oh, of one. So just no three-point shooting is is pretty difficult to win offensively in this game, and it just creates more and more problems for the offense in terms of generating open looks and looking at other guys in tonight's matchup you know Blake played a little bit nothing too crazy Javon Carter you know another mad matchup a mad game for him uh, James Johnson only played nine in this one he has been a little off these last couple games you know having less of an impact and I think just maybe being a little fatigued. I'm not really sure what's going on with James Johnson, but just doesn't quite have that same energy level. And obviously it could be teams are understanding what he can do out there and what he can't do and making his life more difficult. But I guess one other bright spot would be Paul Millsap did see 20 minutes in this game, did score eight points, four of six in the field, 10 rebounds, one assist, three blocks. I'll say this about Millsap, a lot of good energy on the boards. You know, I think sitting on the bench, him seeing like, hey, where can I have an impact on this team? And it was on the boards, four offensive rebounds. It just felt like he was constantly being a nuisance to OKC in there, getting his hands on there, creating some plays, setting up some buckets, you know, had a couple putbacks, a couple scores in this game. And, you know, it's not to the point where we're like, oh, man, we need to get Millsap in the rotation because I still think there's issues in his game. And you saw some of them last night. But you feel better if the Nets are forced to play him in some of these other matchups in you know, you know that he can still do something on the floor and still have some type of positive impact for the Nets out there. But um, like I said, not really a ton to take away from this game, especially considering Chicago, the, the win in Chicago was the best win of the season and showcase really what the Nets can do when they're close to fully healthy. And this game was just kind of, like I said, a scheduled loss and, you know, missing all of these pieces is going to be tough. I think moving forward, if the Nets wanted to get a win, while resting guys, I think you need at least, you know, two of the four of, you know, Kyrie Irving, Patty Mills, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. You need to at least have two offensive weapons on the floor to give this this team a real opportunity to win. And we did get the news from Woj, you know, I think important to note on that. The Nets are optimistic Kyrie could be playing in home games. I think it was very soon. 
Obviously, there was a memo from the NBA saying that teams need to follow uh, their local ordinances in pertaining to COVID. So that kind of rules out the opportunity of Josiah paying fines for him to play. You know, maybe he'd be willing to push that limit in the playoffs, but it seems more likely like the mandate would change or Kyrie Irving would potentially get vaccinated. Who really knows? But like it's been noted by many Nets media and fans, last time we heard the Nets were optimistic about Kyrie Irving coming to play soon. He ended up suiting up two, two weeks later and playing a road game against the Pacers. So hopefully it's sooner than later we see uh, Kyrie back at Barclays Center because uh, the team needs him to win games because obviously it's constructed with him being here and his offensive firepower and him alleviating the pressure off a lot of these guys, but also just the pure excitement he provides for the team and the highlight packages. And obviously he's one of the fan favorites. So, you know, could be even better signs than that's moving forward. Next matchup against New Orleans on Saturday should have Kevin Durant, should have Patty Mills. Wouldn't be surprised if we see Nick Claxton and Marcus Aldridge as well. But overall, this game is kind of a toss away. Doesn't really matter. We'll see what the Nets are like moving forward when they're back to being fully healthy. As always, big thanks for everybody listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.